0: life. Awesome, guys. You can take a break. Uh, how many people would love a Sunday? Uh, it's good. A Sunday's good, isn't it? I love it. I love going to church. I don't know about you. I love going to church. I love being with, I love being with God's people. Uh, I don't know about you. How, how many people would you say uh, you're an extrovert? Give me a wave if you're an extrovert. Yeah, yeah, some of us. How many people would say that you're an introvert? How many people are you just tired and you're claiming introversion as an excuse? Uh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I, I think I do not know whether I'm an extrovert or an introvert, but I do get miserable. You definitely think I'm an extrovert. I do get rather miserable by myself, and I uh, love the fact that on at church on Sunday we get to hang out together. Amen. I love the fact that the Bible says that when we gather together, Jesus would presence Himself among us. Have you? Uh, Jesus said that Himself. We're never two or more of you are gathered together. That it says that he, it uses a funny word, the Bible Jesus is, uh, is speaking, he uses a funny word. He says that uh, whenever two or more are gathered together, he would manifest um, himself, which is a, is a funny word, isn't it? Uh, when you come to, when you visit your friends, you don't walk to the door and say, I am manifest. Uh, you could do that. Uh, Duncan may do that from now on, uh, now that we've given him the idea. Um, but to be, when Jesus, makes himself manifest, it's to, sh- it's-, it's to do with the fact that he works in that space. Uh, so when you turn up at your friend's house and you're just going to eat their food, you're not really manifest. Uh, but when you turn up at your friend's house to help them shift house or to do some gardening or you've turned up at your friend's house to babysit, then you're making yourself manifest. Uh, and uh, it's an interesting thought, isn't it, that Jesus actually chooses to be with us uh, like that. It's a good enough reason, I reckon, to get together. We had an awesome e-group on Tuesday, and I reckon I've got, uh, in my e-group, we had, I reckon we've got one of the coolest mixtures of people. Uh, and it's awesome, when once you get talking, uh, it's amazing how often, it doesn't matter how different people are, like there's one guy in our e-group who doesn't even live in Wellington. He's actually from City Church, Christchurch, but he's working in Wellington like tuesday wednesday thursday each week and so he's like what's going on midweek i said oh, i come along to my e-group and he, he's like uh, uh i think he must be in his 60s runs an it consultancy and is in the city and uh so he's there me i'm there richard's there richard's a structural engineer which is really similar to me and if you know richard and i we're like twins you know uh, in so many ways uh you know similar i am good at maths as well uh and uh richard also is an extrovert i would describe him as an extrovert uh, and, uh, and Quentin's in our e-group, and, you know, we get to, you get to, we get to celebrate, Quentin's celebrating some miracles with his health at the moment, and, uh, you don't know, I know, because I'm in his e-group, and he's shared that testimony of God, uh, really turning some things around in his health at Shout Conference, you know, and I just thought, I was just reminded again on Thursday, driving home, that this, you know, it's just, just a, a bunch of us in Pete McKinnon's flat in Newtown, right, right by the fire station, I found out, but, um, uh, but it 's so much more than that it's it 's just a bunch of just a bunch of weirdos gathering together at Pete's house, uh, but Jesus is there. Jesus does great things when we gather together. Amen. amen. We do have a couple of announcements i 'm just um, supposed to be making today, so i'll i 'll do them quickly before we get distracted uh, by the rest of the sermon but um the first one is this that um that are uh, not next week the week after is the last Sunday in September, ever so the last Sunday in September. The last Sunday in September is the anniversary of uh, us leaving Web Street behind. Those happy days in Web Street—we used to turn up five minutes before the sermon service, turn on the lights, and away we'd go. Uh, We we left those days behind. Uh, We left Egypt, and we're venturing through the wilderness called. uh, We've been at Wellington High School now, and uh, we're living from mana in the desert. No, that would be good actually. But we uh, we've been one year moving in and out of Wellington High School on a Sunday, and uh, and I think it's been significant. And uh, so we're going to celebrate. We thought we'd have a one-year anniversary party. You know, we could—we don't celebrate that. We have—we've not really got into the habit of celebrating the anniversaries of since we became Equippers Church. But that's because that happened on the same day that the All Blacks got knocked out of the uh, Rugby World Cup in the quarterfinals, and so it's—it's like, it's just a difficult day. Uh, Dougal's got that—that that dual memory of watching the All Blacks lose, then driving to church for a big launch Sunday, and they all stood there like that. Uh, And uh, so we thought, hey, why don't we – it gives us something to do in September, celebrate the fact that we've been there for a year. Um, And so me and James are organizing 800 balloons. Um, Oh, no, we're not supposed to give away too many details. There's going to be party bags. There's a cake. Anyhow, uh, it's going to be good. And Alistair is going to cry unless he wins the pass the parcel. Anyhow. Um, and the other thing is, that as Equipers, as you know, uh, part of what we do is that we, don't, we, we, we believe in local church, but we also believe in working together uh, as churches all around the, um, the nation and the world. And so Jono and Ember Brown, if you, know, if you have Facebook, you know that they've been in the West Coast of the South Island, they're preaching in Westport, uh, yeah, which is pretty awesome. It's a pretty awesome speaking gig, Westport. Uh, out in the countryside, and it's, awesome. you know, it's an awesome church in Westport, probably one of the biggest churches in the country as a percentage of the population of the town. I think there's over 100 people at church uh, in Westport, which is pretty, pretty exciting. And so John and Emma are there today, and uh, Pachi and Amanda are in Topo today. Um, but one of the things we do as well is that we are uh, really, really believe in, in equipers in uh, New Zealand to see 20, uh, 20 new churches planted uh, in the next 10 years. Uh, and uh, we're excited that Alistair and Emily have decided, or you know, God's spoken to them, and we're excited they're going to Auckland next year um, at the start of the year in January. We're not excited that they're going. We're excited about what they're going to do, uh, but it's sad that they'll be moving. But uh, they're going to be in Auckland for uh, six months or a bit more, and then uh, building a team and getting things organized. And they're going to be launching a Corpus Church in Palmerston North, uh, which is exciting, isn't it? Big cheer, Palmer's North. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's why we've been saying for a few weeks that Palmer's North is our new second favorite place in the world. Uh, and uh, so we've announced those uh, things. Uh, we've announced that in uh, our vision team meeting, but we thought it'd be good to tell everyone in church uh, as well. So we let you know. Is that all right? Very, very cool. Also, Chrissy and I are away in, on a sabbatical break this year. So every few years as pastor, they send you away. Um, so you can repair your mental health. And then also, it allows the church to have a little bit of a break from your annoying self. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, so that's cool. So while we're away, Jono, uh, ably assisted by Emma, will be acting pastors. Um, So, yeah, so I said this morning that Jono will have to come in a different costume each week um, as an acting pastor. And uh, so that'd be cool. Exciting, eh? Exciting, exciting stuff. Grab your Bible, let's turn to Ephesians. How many people know how to find Ephesians now after seven weeks of preaching in it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Ephesians is pretty good reading. And um, sorry, I'm um, moving my lectern around here. Just I need more yellow up here. Sorry, David, this is really boring for everyone else, but I need yellow in those ones because I can't purple on the, b- the yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Ephesians, <laughs> sorry, Ari. Ephesians 5:15 to 20, and we'll put it up there. Then we'll all be able to read it. There we go. Ephesians chapter five, and I'm going to read verses 15 uh, to 20. Is that all right? Uh, you really should read all of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through to 14. It uh, gives the description of what your life is like, either practically or just in your mind, uh, the sorts of challenges we face as people. Um, and it talks all about our behavior. It talks about greed. It talks about the idolatry of our desires, etc., etc. So read that because that's a pretty important uh, part of what we're looking into tonight. Um, how many people, I don't know, it's definitely my experience that throughout my life, I'm, I, I'm battling different desires. I, I'm, I'm, I, I know how I want to live. Paul, the Apostle Paul said like this, I, I know the things I want to do, but I do the things I don't want to do. And then he said this, a wretched man am I, is what the old version says that we learned in Sunday school, wretched man am I. In fact, I don't think that was ever a memory verse, but... Uh, that's what Paul says, because we know what God's called us to, we know the life that we actually want to live, our spirit, the vision that we have in our life, but we find ourselves doing things that distract us or deter us from what God's called us to do. Right? I can ask for a show of hands, but I think it's actually almost universal experience for Christians is that we have the, a vision of who God's called us to be, but it's actually very hard to walk it out every, in our everyday life. I believe that I'm called to reach out and see God, uh, the influence of the gospel, impact my neighbors and the people across the street. I believe that, God, uh, that God's, the love of God in me is supposed to have a positive impact in our city. I believe that. Do you know, it's very easy just to forget about that, not talk to the neighbors, be rude to the checkout uh, person when, when you're at the checkout, and forget that actually, you know, God's called me to live a different sort of life than that, right? Uh, So the the question I want us to think about tonight is, how do we actually live out the God life? How do we live it out? Because it it can't be about more discipline. Like I've tried dieting, I've tried exercise. If it's about more discipline, I don't know about you, but I'm in trouble. If it's about being disciplined, it's not going to work for me. Anybody love just being disciplined? right? For all of us, actually, we, we mostly live our life at the limit of our discipline. More discipline's not really an option. So, like, there are people who can't even remember to turn their phone on silent uh, in church on a Sunday, <laughs> right? How you know? But really, really, truly, you probably live your life fully as disciplined as you can. You do with your money. You do it as disciplined as you can. With your, with your m- mindsets and your imaginations, you're probably as disciplined as you'll ever be. Sorry, bad news, but right, your diet, exercise, you're probably as disciplined as you'll ever be. What we need is something different than more discipline. We need the infilling power of the Holy Spirit, right? Let's have a read of Ephesians chapter 5, verse um, 15 onwards. Is that all right? I'll read it, and you guys will put it up on the screen as well. It says this. Um, so be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Not like a fool, as, but as those who are wise. Is any wise people in the room? Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Some people, that's how you live your life. Every chance you get to do good, you just do more good than you can do normally. No, yeah. Um, don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And I said this morning, it's true of whiskey, beer, whatever you're drunk with, it will ruin your life, right? Don't be drunk with wine, it will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Then you will sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your heart. And you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. The first thing I think we need to think understand, I really believe this is true, is that you're always full of something. You're, you're always full of something. I don't know, I don't know, we, we talk about the fact that we feel empty, um, but then I think when you feel empty, I think what you're full of is emptiness. Like there's always a state internally, right? There's no neutral state internally. So you, you, even if you're full of nothing, you're, you're full of nothing, right? And then whatever you're full of, whatever you're full of, uh, affects and shapes everything around you, right? Whatever you're full of um uh i don't know uh if if you're walking along with a glass that's full of water right walking along with a glass full of water and then you someone bumps you and jostles you jostle you know a what's going to come out of the glass? Water, that's right, exactly right. Uh, if you're walking along and, and you've got a glass um, f- full of sugar. Hey, I'm trying to think of an actual situation where this might happen. You're walking along with a glass full of sugar, maybe on the way to work. You're walking in on the way to work. And you're walking down Willow Street because you work at Catalyst IT and you have a glass full of sugar because you're a computer programmer and you're weird. And you're walking along and you've got a glass full of sugar and the wind whistles down to Willow Street and blows across your glass, creating a vacuum-type effect as the world swirls around. What's going to come sucked out of the glass by the vacuum effect of the wind whistling down Willow Street as you walk to work with a glass full of sugar? Sugar. Someone said water. That's right. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's difficult to make these things up on the fly if people aren't cooperative. If, if you're walking down the street, you've got a glass full of nothing, and someone jostles you, I don't think that nothing comes out. I think that nothingness comes out. I think that to have nothing going on inside is something. It's a bit more like a black hole. There's either something there or there's something sucking out. I think that in conversations, I'm either operating in a sense where I am encouraging you or I will be operating in a way that brings the level down. I don't have many conversations that are perfectly neutral. Usually, there's either something positive coming out of me or there's something negative coming out of me. There's not much of what goes on that's just plain normal, right? Right? There may be some, right? But when something, think about maths, when, when I add my negativity to you, right? Oh, can you believe this weather? It's just a load of crap, right? When I add negativity to your life, even in a comment about the weather, what am I adding to your life? I'm adding nothing to your life, but I'm not adding nothing. I'm adding a subtraction to you like, and I'm pulling away from you. We all know this because we've got extreme examples in our workplace of these people, right? There are people in your workplace, right, that you you have, you time your morning tea carefully. Don't laugh because, you know, your friend, workmates might be visiting because you've been praying for them and inviting them to come to another church that you don't go to, right? Now, when... When you when you see that in extreme, uh, it's easy to just write off that person. they're just a, uh, do you know what I mean? They're just. Uh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, it's hard to use abusive terms in church without crossing lines, right? But, you know, it's easy to write that person off as sort of extremely negative, right? Oh, they're really negative. But I think all of the time we're full of something. We're either full of something positive that's bringing lift to the environment that we're in, or we're actually subtracting from it. Today, when you walked into church, you either added to the environment and the atmosphere of our church, or you you subtracted from it based on how you engage. The, guy, the guys on the, on the platform playing the drums or whatever, doing the music, they were either adding to the environment or they were subtracting from it, right? Every note that you play in time, every chord that you play in time and in tune, that adds to the music, right? If you just play whatever, right? If you just get up and just play whatever, right? We could do this as an example next week. I'll bring my guitar. Oh, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You can play lots and lots of notes without adding anything to the environment. And in fact, the more you play sometimes, if you're in the wrong key, the more you play, the more you withdraw out of the atmosphere of music or worship, right? And What does that look like in our everyday life? Everyone say you're always full of something. And you've got to figure out what you're full of. How do you know what you're full of? I reckon Jesus is a professional jostler. <laughs> I reckon Jesus is waiting for you. He's waiting for you in the office when you get the, the, in the morning. You walk through the door, and Jesus, as you walk through the office door, Jesus will be like. And you'll come tripping there. Oh, I can't believe I got someone parked in my park, car park. Right? <laughs> and Jesus is like, oh, okay. And then you go to the photocopy machine, and you would be like. What's that flipping code again? These are all examples from my own life. What's that code again? I can't believe they put a code system on. People in Auckland can remember codes. People in Wellington, we can't be expected to remember codes. And then I remember that I've written it on my calendar. I reckon Jesus is always jostling me. Whenever, Whenever I have to, every second Monday, constant rings me up, he's the accountant, and he gives me a job to do, something little, like could you ring the IRG? right? I'm just like, why me? Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the Apostle Paul, I'm bearing in my body the scars of the Lord Jesus. I too have suffered for the sake of Christ. And in fact, I had to ring the IRD three times in one day last year, three times in one day, and I had to write them two different letters. I bear in my body the sacrifice of Christ. I reckon Jesus is a professional jostler. He's always bumping into us to not because he wants to know what's inside, because Jesus knows everything, but he wants us to realize what's inside of us. Have you ever surprised yourself? <laughs> my, uh, my, um, my! Um, I can remember my sister. I gave her. I think we were driving, and um, and she's uh, one of those people who drives like this. I could uh, actually. I was driving the truck here today, and driving down through Corrie, through Marsden Village, driving along, driving along. Some people crossing the road. Madeline's like, it's a red light. <laughs> <laughs> Screeched the track to a halt. Uh, just, you know, when you, you can, there's ways you can stop where everybody knows that someone was about to die. <laughs> right. Anyway, my sister was driving along like that, and something happened, and she said, like, one of those classic swear word moments. We're just like, like that. Do you know what I mean? With Mum and Dad in the car and like that, and uh, and uh, and uh, my um, and my mum said, oh well. When you squeeze, when you squeeze what's inside comes out. <laughs> and I reckon that's what God does. He squeezes us. You know, some of you are in a squeeze, right? You're in a squeeze space, and the reason you're in a squeeze space, you're under pressure in areas of your life. I guarantee it's somewhere in your life, God's putting the squeeze on. He's putting some pressure on so you see what's going on inside of you, and so that you can just be upset about it. Does God want you to know what's going on inside of you so you can feel miserable and depressed? No, he doesn't need to do that. We already feel miserable and depressed. What he's wanting to do is show us what's inside of us. And we we look in Scripture and we see a different picture of how we could live our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Wow, these things, there's no law against these, right? What does that mean? There's nothing that can stop love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. There's nothing that can restrict it. There's no law against the fruit of the Spirit, right? How do we live an unlimited, completely free life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Nothing can stop that. So we see that picture in Scripture. We see the realities of our own life, and we've got to believe in faith that Jesus has got us on a journey, moving us towards the picture of what life can look like in Scripture. Jesus came to give us life in all of its fullness, is what the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10. So I want to talk for the next few minutes um, about how do, we, how do we ensure that when we're bumped, the things of God spill out, that when we're under pressure, actually we become a blessing to people around us. Jesus told... Um, Jesus, there's a couple of stories in the Bible that I just want to draw your attention to. We're not going to read them, but um, the first one is that Jesus' first miracle was at a village called Cana. Uh, it was near his village, Nazareth, and it's most likely a family wedding. So his mum was there. Uh, Jesus' mum is Mary. And um, from the story, we can tell that Mary is somehow involved with the wedding, right? So it's possibly. Marries an auntie of the bride getting married or an auntie of the groom getting married. And this, this, this problem happens in the middle of the wedding, in the middle of this time of supposed to be celebration, uh, they run out of wine. Now, wine in, uh, in uh, alcohol in New Zealand is about getting smashed so you can forget what a loser you are, right? But wine in Jewish culture was about celebrating the overflow of life. Because you never used to get wine in 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 in, um, in Israel. They never had wine unless they had a great season, like unless there was like a blessing. They did that, you know. You don't get grapes, right? It's not like you know the the way the viticulture worked. It was wine was always a sign that hey, there's overflow, right? You know what I mean? It's like special occasion food of the ultimate level, right? So they run out of the celebration. They run out of wine now. The important thing to remember is in Scripture, the Holy Spirit's often referred to as wine. That's why Paul uses this thing, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. This, this, the pour outpouring of the Holy Spirit known as Pentecost was referred to as new wine, right? This is this, this new wine. And then Jesus says this thing uh, later on. He says you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. If you put new wine into an old wineskin, the wineskin will burst and the wine will be ruined and the wineskin will be ruined. And Jesus is talking in that parable. He's talking about how he's using this picture of a wineskin, which was a goat's stomach or, or a goat's skin bag that they would make. And they would keep the wine in that goatskin Bob. right? Some sort of product of goat. And then the wine, they would put new one. you could put new wine into this wineskin and it would sort of do some of its development in the wineskin. When it was new, well the wine would be more unstable. and unstable. I don't know exactly how it works, but the, the, if you have new wine, it had to go in a brand new wineskin. Not because brand new wineskins are better, but brand new wineskins can move and be reshaped according to how the wine might expand or contract as it's developing, right? And then you could, if you had old wine, you would then put the old wine into an old wineskin because the wine's more stable, it's not changing everything, so it's not going to blow things up, right? But back to the wedding at Cana, uh, they run out of wine and then and Mary talks Jesus into doing a miracle. It's more proof that even Jesus did what his mom told him. Uh, remember that when you have children, read that story and tell you, well, Jesus did what his mom told him, so you go to your room, um, they run out of wine, and then Jesus gives them instructions. Mary says, do whatever he tells you to do. And he says to the servant to fill up the, um, there's these big jars there, big earth jars, earthen vessels. Again, that's the picture that you have in the in the Bible, that we have the treasure of God in these earthen vessels. So they fill up these big vessels, and they're, it's a, I think each one was something like 300 gallons. So they're big. There's six jars. One, two, three, four. Five, six jars, right? And they're big. So think big, big 44-gallon drums, right? Uh, Not like little plant pots, right? Big plant pots, right? And what they were, um, these jars, what they were used for, they were used because there's a big wedding. They they had these jars there with water, and the water was there for um, people to wash themselves ceremonially. Um, So they they would wash their hands, not like, that's not what they were doing as they went into the wedding. They would just splash water on their hands, much like Islam, in the customs of Islam, uh, uh, where Jewish people would do a similar thing. They would just splash water on their hands, maybe sometimes splash water on their face as they go into the wedding as a sign of saying that they're clean from the outside world and they're part of the community. They can celebrate together, right? Jesus said, fill up the jars with water. So we're going to say, fill up the jars with water. And then Jesus says to the master, master of the servant, hey, dip some of the wine, the water, which had, you know, dipped some and then take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servant dips out some water out of the jar, takes it to the master of ceremonies. The master of ceremonies drinks it and says, wow, this is the best wine out of the whole wedding. You've saved the best wine till last, Right. The story of the, the, the water turned to wine is a really important miracle. None of the miracles that are recorded in the Bible are just there so we can go, wow, what a cool miracle. Let's get some jars and let's do the same thing. Right? I do have a friend who's blind in one eye. He's been spat in on three or four different occasions where people have felt well-intentioned that they were going to do a miracle like Jesus. They make a bit of mud and splash a bit of spit mud uh, in his eye. Um, anyhow, that's not what the miracles in the Bible are for. They're to shift our thinking. There's six jars. The first thing we've got to understand, if we're going to live a life full of God, the first thing we have to do is make some space. If we're going to live our life, if you want more of God in your life, you're going to have to have less of something else. You're going to have to have more space somehow, right? There's got to be more space somehow for God to fill your life. And I want to suggest to you, until God fills your life, you'll never be able to be what you're called to be. You're always going to live with a level of frustration in your world until you have an overflowing ex- filling of the Holy Spirit of God. You're going to have to have more space. In Genesis chapter 1, is the picture, a picture I really like, it speaks to this as well. It says that God creates the heavens and the earth, right? Quite a bit of space. And then the Spirit of God hovers over the waters. And then God said... And God said, 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 and God said. Now, the reality is this. Tonight, I believe that God wants to create space. I I, I just really believe even right now, God's creating space in your heart as you think. Because God wants to fill you. He wants to create space. God creates space first, and then he fills. God creates a vacuum, and then he comes through, right? That's the picture that you have of the... The jars, there's, there's all these empty jars, and Jesus says, hey, fill up the jars, right? Where are the empty jars in your world that Jesus can fill up and begin to do a miracle that turns the ordinary into the extraordinary, that turns water into a party, right? That's the life I want. That's 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 what I want every time I, I, I get up and have breakfast with the kids. I want a life that's extraordinary. That I, I want to have a wine life, not a water life. Uh, Or not just a a fresh air kind of a life. And I don't know about you, but some of you, I'm sure of this, have been settling for a water life. Because a water life will keep you alive, but a wine life makes it a party. A wine makes it a party. Do you know what I mean? Like some of you actually, you've shifted. I really believe you, I'm speaking a word of knowledge here. You've actually shifted, deliberately shifted your expectations down. You've shifted your expectations of life down so that you're not disappointed on, on, at the end of the week each time. You've actually done that. Not deliberately, but you consciously you can recognize, no, I've definitely done that. I've shifted my expectations down. I believe God wants to put faith back in your heart. That says, no, we're supposed to live a life with the six jars full of water that whenever someone dips, it actually turns to wine. That actually we're full of something so that God can dip us and make miracles happen all around us. Everyone say, create space. Okay, so there's different ways you can create space. Number one, you can empty what's in the jar out, right? So they could have gone along those water jars and, you know, got the old shopping trolleys and broken BMXs and, um, do you know what I mean, all that sort of stuff out of the jars. Or, or you can get more jars. You know, Isaiah, so there's two things you've got to do. I'm assuming that you actually want a life full of God, overflowing with goodness, with life, with power, right? There's two things you can do. Number one, you can get the junk out of your life that straight away you've got more space. Right? If you live in a three bedroom house, right, like I do, if we want more space, we just do a cull of the soft toys. Do you mean like we're just a ruthless cull? We, uh, we bring, bring exterminators in, they hunt the house. Chrissy was like, my, my wife, she's ruthless. Like she's like, Ruthless mum. Ruthless mum. She's like, You can have 15 soft toys each. I'm like, 15! We're still gonna to have to buy a whole other house just for the soft toys, right? <laughs> Fifteen soft. You gotta get the junk out. Come on, you, you know if there's junk, you've gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get that junk out. How do you get junk out? You're uh, the grace of God. Allow the grace of God to work on it. Again, remember I said right side. So we're not talking tonight about more and more discipline. We need more and more of God working out in our life, so the grace of God needs to remove some junk. But Isaiah 53 talks about this idea. This single barren woman, the woman who's not given birth. And then it says, enlarge the place of your habitation. Stretch out your tent pegs. Stretch out the cords of your tent, the cords of your life. Do you know how you get more of God sometimes is you take on bigger challenges. Do you know how you get less of God sometimes? You take on smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller challenges. Do you know when you, when you take on a challenge, this is you go, I go through the process, you take on a challenge and then, then you panic because you actually can't do it, right? And then you, then you pull it all back in. And then you know God's calling you, so you take on a challenge. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the kids' leadership team, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help with youth. I don't know how many times people have said this. I've been a youth pastor for 12 years. Oh, I'd love to help with youth. Now, what's happened is God's spoken to someone and he said, hey, stretch out the boundaries of your habitation. Reach out to some other people, right? So they stretch out. As soon as you make everything bigger, what does it feel like you have? It feels like you have less. Do you have less? No, you've just made everything bigger. You you don't have less energy. You just have a bigger life, right? If you take the petrol tank, if you take the motor, if you take the motor from a mini and you put it into like a large truck, is the motor, did the motor get smaller? No, it's just pulling something bigger, right? When you take your life and you say, I'm going to expand it out, what you then need to begin to believe for is the God to change the motor, for God to fill it up, right? We've actually got to, if we want God to fill our lives more, number one, we've got to get the junk out. We all know about that. We've been in church long enough. You know about all the wrong things in your life. You got, do you know how do you get wrong, rid of wrong things in your life? You re- repent, tell God about them. You pray, and He forgives you. If they're still there a week later, you're going to have to tell someone else about it, get them to pray for you. Those are step one and step two. After that, you need to talk to a pastor if it's still a problem in your life and a pastor, a leader, a key person that you know can help you so that you can move forward, right? But pray to God and and confess the sin to God and he forgives you. The Bible says, confess your sin to one another, pray for each other, then you're healed, right? But after that, oh, God, I need someone to help me out because there's some other stuff going on and I need to get set free, right? That's how you get rid of the junk. There was a quick sermon on how to get rid of junk, right? But I really believe, actually, some of us actually got to stretch our life out. We've got to stretch it out a little bit. Oh, come on. Vi- I, I think there's visions that have died because we've stretched out. And then we're like, whoa. Whoa. whoa! whoa! Do you know, but we, all we're trying to do is we are trying to hold it together now that our life is bigger. One of the guys in our e-groups got a promotion into a much more difficult job. Whoa! You know, it's not about just holding it together until you get demoted into a smaller job again. It's about saying, God, fill me with enough power to, to to fill this space. Another, The same principle, create space and then God fills it, is in Acts chapter 2. Jesus says to the disciples, it's one of those tricky things. He says at the end of the Gospels, the beginning of Acts, he says, uh, stay here in Jerusalem and in just a few days, the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power, right? How many people could wait just a few days? It says... Later on in Acts chapter 2, five weeks later, ah! (laughs) what's Jesus doing? Jesus is creating some space. Whoa. They're like, whoa. Jesus said to 500 people, stay here in Jerusalem for a few days, and then it says there were 120 in the upper room. Why? Because some people can't cope with space. I can't, I can't cope with space. At the end of the service, if the, if the music doesn't go on straight away, I'm like, Ooh. Right? Jesus is the king of awkward. He is the king of awkward. Do you know, right now in your life, God's created, Jesus has created space, and it's awkward. That's, how many people know a stretch is awkward? Right? It's like, what do you do? Yeah, try and stretch without looking awkward. On, God stretches us and it looks awkward. So, you know, other people look at you and they're like, wow, what's going on in their life? Because you came to church and you're like, nah. God's stretching me. <laughs> Come on, you, we're twisted out shape. Sometimes it's because God's trying to actually get rid of some junk out of our life. Sometimes it's, God's just building capacity. Right? And we normally do this. Ah, it's not helping. What we've got to do is press into God what is that? What does it look like to press into God? See, here's the thing, the God of the universe, the God of the universe, He's this available. He's this available. Set your alarm 15 minutes earlier. Go to the quietest part of your house. Or get in your car if you're flat get in your car. Sometime today, make some space. I have a friend who's Was under all sorts of pressure. He was doing an internship. He was serving in church. He was working, studying, or working part time as well. Under all sorts of pressure, got in his car one day. He drove to Lyle Bay, and he sat in his car all day. Life changed. Life transformed completely. Fixed. I've got my friend Pastor Bruce. He travels all around the world, and he does amazing. He does amazing things. Carries so much responsibility, so much weight for churches actually all over the place. Every now and then, if, once he st- if he starts feeling under pressure, you know, like those, you know, when you start feeling under pressure and you start snapping at your flatmates and poking people in the eyes at the shops, right? Kicking old ladies, <laughs> swerving, knocking kids off scooters while you're driving along. Well, that's what you and I do. What he does, he takes, he takes a day, he books a motel in a small town somewhere in New Zealand, drives there, stays for two days in the motel. Turns his phone off the God of the whole universe he's available to us we just actually we actually do have to create some space come on what, here's the, let's go back to some key questions what comes out of your life when we bump you? what's coming out of your life when we bump you? because life's full of bumps especially so that actually God can fill you and you can be spilling his goodness out all around you here's the there's six water jars one, two, three, four, five six water jars Jesus says, "Fill up the six water jars. Fill them up." My friend, many at art school. developed He designed this cool sculpture. It was six steps, but it was like a, it was massive. The bottom step was really wide and it got narrower, and it was like a, it had a rolling thing like that. It was quite cool. You could start on the bottom step and walk up your six steps and then get off at the other end, and it would go Now, six is the number of man. Six is human effort. We fill up the six jars. There's nothing wrong with human effort. But we can only fill it with water. Do you know what? When, when the praise songs start at church, I jump in the first chorus, I start dancing. Partly because I'm so good. It's my special gift. Right? That's a, I, there's a kid at my school who used to dance like that. I learned that dance of him. Danny the Demon, we used to call him. I was one of the teachers. We all used to call him Danny the Demon. <laughs> if, you don't, if you think teachers are good people, you need to become a teacher. And you'll see that they're just the same as you. Yeah. I dance in the praise songs, I dance. Much to the enjoyment of the band on the platform. But that's because I want to fill up the jar. Why? Because I can jump. I can jump. I can do that. I can't make a miracle happen, but I can jump up and down. I love to shout, hey! Hey! When I'm driving my car, praise and worship music on, sometimes I shout so loud people can hear outside. Why? Because I I can do that. I can fill up the jar of praise. Do you know, I give 10% of everything I earn, I give it. When we sold our rental property in Auckland, I gave away 10% of the money we made in the Auckland house market. It was awesome. That was awesome. Why? Because I can fill up that jar. I can't make the finances work in the Smith household. There's too many children, not enough earners. It's like, I'm like, Chrissy, come on, make a bit more money. It's like, we got the kids doing paper runs and cooking meth we've got to do everything we can <laughs> that's not true they're not doing paper runs the um there's no money in paper run come on people but, <laughs> this is all if you don't know me there's a joke drugs are bad don't do drugs the um Come on, I can fill up the jar of praise because it's a human thing to praise God. I don't need a miracle to praise God. I can just decide to praise Him. I can fill up the jar of giving. I can, you know, I can fill up the jar of friendly. Hello, Wakash. How are you? It's not a miracle yet. Someone needs help from Jesus. But... Come on, I can fill up the jar of friendliness. I can fill up the jar of effort. I can fill up the jar of discipline. It's a small jar, but I can fill it up. Right? Why? Because it's, if it's full, God can dip it and turn it into something that changes lives, turn it into something that sets people free. I can fill up the jar of Bible study. It's not a miracle. But if I fill up the jar, then I can stand up here and I can just start talking and hope that God turns it into something that blesses people. I can fill up the jar of Bible study, and then I can sit on the bus. I can fill up the jar of prayer. Is it a miracle to pray? It can't be a miracle to pray. Buddhists pray. Muslims pray. It can't be a miracle to pray. It can't be. Satanists pray. It's not a miracle to pray. It's human to pray. Do you know, everyone's praying all the time. You're always praying all the time. You call it wishing, you call it hoping, but it's praying. You hope, you trust, you believe in yourself. That's humanist prayer. You're worshiping your own abilities. To hope, trust, and pray is to fill up that jar. God, you can do something in my university. God, you can do something in my workplace. God, you can reach every house next door to us. I believe I've got a vision that we'd be in the sort of church where, in my house, every neighbour comes to Jesus, and at Dougal's house, every neighbour comes to Jesus. Which would be good because Dougal next, lives next door to a family who's friends with Maddie. Wouldn't be cool if Maddie's. Friends from school got saved just because they lived next to Dougal. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I, I, I believe that's who we're supposed to—that's who we're called to be as Christians. But it starts with being full of the Holy Spirit. Starts to be full of the Holy and being full of the Holy Spirit is about partly it's about doing what we can do as well. Create the space and fill up the space with praise. Fill up the space with prayer. Fill up, fill up the place with, 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 with reading the Word and the Word of God. And then when we're bumped. Jesus can bump us, and out comes life. Out comes this overflow of God. Uh, um, Jesus said, You can't put new wine into old wines. Tomorrow, and from tomorrow, do something different to connect with God. Oh, well, I've already been to church. That's me for the week. Well, that's something you could change tomorrow. Light a candle when you're your prayer time. If you're not probably awake yet, don't, don't light matches. Add 15 minutes. Look out the window. Put some music on. Say, God, I really need you to fill me. I need you to do something in my life. Amen. I just, I just, I, I just know this is true of Wellington, that, that, that God's plan is that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the city as the water covers the sea. For me, that just means people finding Jesus, non-Christians finding Jesus, non-Christians finding That's what it means for me. I know, I know for Emma Brown it's about teenagers finding freedom and mental health. Right? I, I, I know for Richard it means bridges being <laughs> built. But come on, it might mean different things for different ones of us. But it means the same thing the knowledge of the glory of God covering the city like the waters cover the sea. If you're at the bottom of the sea, can you avoid the water? I pray that in Wellington, the Wellington region, I pray in New Zealand that no one could avoid the knowledge of the glory of God. Amen. And that begins with us being full of God. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes back here. Let me pray for you. We're going to finish in 35 seconds. I'm not joking. We're going to finish in 35 seconds. I, I want to pray, but... I... A-, a, way you, a way we create space in church is by asking... By, I often say, hey, why don't you lift your hand? Because that creates space. You have to, it's awkward. It's a stretch. Just where you're sitting, come on, if you're saying, I really want, I want, I want space for God in my world. Maybe you're even saying, I really need a different wineskin. I need a different way of containing God. I've got old and crusty, and, and I just need a different way of containing God. If that's you, just lift your hands where you're sitting and let me pray. Holy Spirit, right now, just pray. All of those responding right now, Lord God, drop into their mind, Lord God, what they need to do different. Come on, right now God's speaking to some people about some, some junk they need to pull out of their life. Step one, pray to God about it. Step two, talk to a friend about it. Step three, if it's still a problem, talk to a pastor about it. Holy Spirit, right now, Lord, we believe you, Jesus. We believe that you've come to give us a life. Life in all of its fullness. And we're not naive enough to believe that means a life that's a bed of roses. We know that it's a life that includes stretch, Lord God, that creates space for you. Holy Spirit, we just relax. Even just we open our heart to you and we say, God, work in our world that we would be people who can, can, can contain you, can carry you to our city. Pray in Jesus' mighty name.